everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Negative World Euphonic Podcast with uh, Dr. Finkelstein and Ninsage. Hello. Or Steven and Joe, if you prefer our uh, human names. Human names. I don't know, not that the form names are robotic or anything, but... Welcome to Negative World. The most positive place on Earth. Press 1 to hear Euphonic Podcast. So if you're still with us after uh, about three seconds of idiotic uh, behavior, uh, then welcome. Uh, This episode is going to be comprised of, as you probably are aware, five town themes and five spooky themes, Uh, the latter to kind of celebrate the American holiday of Halloween, which is coming up. And yeah, do you celebrate Halloween, Joe? Um... I do, uh, usually only in the form of, like, a, one Halloween party every year that I attend. Um, not even the same one, just usually someone's throwing one. Mm-hmm. We'll throw together a cheap costume at the last minute and go. Yes. Um, uh, this year, oddly enough, uh, for only maybe, like, the third or fourth time in my life, my costume is Nintendo-centric because uh, we're going to, actually, it's a nintendo themed costume party. Holy crap, awesome. I will drive to New York for this. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty cool. Um, and so we are, my, Amy and I are going to be the Ice Climbers. Hmm. Popo and Nana, I think are their names. You gonna be Nana? No, although it almost kind of played out that way, depending on, because we're trying not to spend, like, any money, if possible, so. So it was easier for you to be the girl Ice Climber, is that what you're saying? Well, it was going to possibly be easier for Amy to already have like a blue hoodie and blue uh-huh. pants. But uh, but as it turned out, she went back and checked her wardrobe and she just happened to have like a it's not quite pink, it's more like a peach color of a hoodie and like some corduroy pants and it's like they match perfectly. So the quest for me to find some powdery blue stuff began and we succeeded today. I should talk to Threadless about pushing some sort of... You know how they do the uh, themed kind of weeks and yep. that kind of thing? Mm-hmm. When Smash Brothers comes out, they should do, like, a few weeks, maybe a month before that, they should do some sort of contest where people design their own Smash Brother character hoodies or something. Mm. That'd be kind of That sweet. would be amazing. Yeah. So, <clears throat> again, reiterating, we're doing five town themes, five spooky themes, and uh, they were picked by the wonderful people of negativeworld.org. So I'm excited to uh, to hear these things. Yep. And uh, and I thank you all, uh, whether you're in this episode or not, I thank you all for uh, once again submitting songs. We really yes. appreciate it. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. So that said, let's go with the first pick here by Triforce Bun for uh, Town Themes. Mm-hmm. Here it is.
point. It was, ironically, just about, jeez, uh, almost 20 years ago, uh, about four days ago from this recording, that this game released to Amazing. American audiences. Yeah, it's kind of crazy that the uh, the 19th year anniversary just passed. But this is Final Fantasy VI, and the song is called Kids Run Through the City. Mm-hmm. And this is picked out again by Triforce Bun. From what I understand, this is a song that plays in a lot of the different towns. It's not just like one town theme. It's a general town theme. Any town where kids are running through the city. Yeah, I think there might be a different one for when they walk through it or like skateboard. Jump. Yeah, jump, mm-hmm. cartwheel, yep. uh, link roll. Maybe not. But mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, so that's that's it. I mean, it, it sounds quite like a Super Nintendo town theme RPG. It's It's got a very classic sound to it. Yeah, I think because the RPG genre like really started to get itself going during the Super NES era and so many of them were on the Super Nintendo and of course the big Final Fantasy games. I think it's just this is just quintessential RPG town theme. Mm-hmm. Like it's an excellent song, but you could almost copy and paste it into any other RPG on the system and it would it would feel right. And probably because many, you know, um companies did that <laughs> yeah just copied basically mm-hmm. yeah yeah but that's not so. to say it's it's because you know that's not a good thing because there's a reason that this was a successful song and while mm-hmm. this is going to be horrible for me to admit here uh live i've never played final fantasy 6 yeah. uh, i i have been meaning to i do want to I, it took me long enough to get around yeah. to chrono trigger but i did and i loved it so You're i a terrible I, person i know i know but I'm just uh, that's for a whole I, different podcast. I actually, I'm gonna, I'm gonna join you in the, um, in the, in the outcasts because I, though I have played the game, I was just not that crazy about it. Everyone, oh, like a lot of people, hated more than I am. Yeah, because <laughs> I have the potential to like. Right, it, so you don't. <laughs> you could still be one of them. <laughs> no, a lot of people, a lot of people put this up as their like their favorite of all time uh, of Final Fantasy games. Um, yeah, mine's probably thirteen. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, yeah, I just... It could be because I played it too late. I mean, I played it when it was on the PlayStation Collection deal. Um, but I was just like, I don't know. It's pretty cool, guys. But it's not... Like, I mean, I I played um, Final Fantasy IV. I really loved that. Uh, I actually even liked five better than this and five didn't even really have a story five had other things more some interesting job system stuff but i don't know six just i think it's because it was so like dreary like that game everything's very like the color palette is very muted and everything's very depressing well it's funny you say that though because as someone who hasn't played this game i guess i have Mm -hmm. a different perception when i hear this music Mm -hmm. to me this is a great town theme because it does what towns typically are for in at least these early RPGs. There, there can be strife and problems in mm-hmm. these towns, but often they're a rest stop. They're where you have the inn to save and to heal yeah. and uh, buy new weapons and armor and meet people and do all that crap. And so when the heat of the battle's off, that's where you end up. And this is such a serene-sounding song. It gives me that kind of feeling. Yeah, and that's not... Um... 
that's not incorrect. I mean, it's not, you know, the towns uh, are still definitely a place for resting. They're still definitely supposed to be a place that is a break from the intensity of the outside world. But um, is it the only break you get? I mean, is the rest of the game pretty depressing and kind of... Well, well I was going to say, even though they are, a, a, you know, less intense, most of the towns, at least the one, the, the way I'm remembering them, are, like, they're still pretty, like, run down and sad like a lot of them remind me of they're like like old coal towns after the business has dried up kind hmm. of stuff um at least that's just those are just the ones that are sticking out to me i still you know th- there are some uh i think there's one that's a little more upbeat later on in the game uh after after like your characters wake up from this disaster event but um anyway yeah I but, wish I, but that's the exception i wish i knew exactly what towns this was used in because i found a list of towns online mm. and uh i like i like the names of these towns in this game they're very kind of bizarre which i guess was kind of a staple of the series looking at it in the past too hit me with some names what do you what stands out to you uh figaro castle yeah sounds like a party waiting to happen mm. and then south figaro yep. that's also kind of funny um, but uh, I can't even pronounce some of these things. Okay. Uh, well, I can pronounce Zozo. Right. And uh, Tzin or something. <laughs> it's yep. almost like the Jin all Nailed over it. again. Um, Vector, Thamasa. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I don't know. Um, Return or Hideout is probably the most bland of them all. I'm not sure, again, what, what towns this plays in. And the screenshot here of Narsh does look pretty damn dreary and and depressing. Yep. But, uh, but yeah, I like the song. And I, I mean, the reason that it's picked here is because it is such a quintessential classic Absolutely. Super Nintendo RPG town theme. And actually, I was really trying hard to, um, well, for myself, for my later pick, not pick a RPG, but that, you know, it's hard when you're trying to think it about is. RPGs. Uh, when you think of towns, because mm-hmm. typically the town space is used as a breaking point in a story such as this. Yeah, most and, other like uh, non-RPGs, they don't bother with towns because right. what would be the point? Yeah. So uh, that said, um, let's jump to an RPG <laughs> again <laughs> yep. uh, with this next pick. It, it's just kind of one of those things, people. Thank you. 
So that was Pokemon Gold, Silver, and Crystal's town theme, uh, which was used in multiple towns in that game, uh, Viridian, Pewter, Cerulean, Saffron City, and Cinnabar Island. And uh, that was given to us by the wonderful Mop It Up. Ooh. Good kid, that Mop It Up. I've been playing Pokemon since this game, which, for the record, is uh, Gold, Silver, and Crystal. It's the... V- I guess it's it's a town theme used in multiple towns. It's used in, uh, according to the YouTube source, uh, Viridian, Pewter, Cerulean, uh, Saffron, and Cinnabar Island. Which, spoiler alert, you can go visit your old Kanto region uh, at the end of Pokemon Gold, Silver, or Crystal. Which was such a cool, cool thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, again, this was picked up by Mop It Up. And uh, it, I picked, well, I mean, not I, we picked this because it's an RPG, but it's kind of like a different subset of RPGs. Game Boy RPGs were a whole different thing. You tell. I mean, well, the the whole RPG premise is the same, but I feel like there's, you have to do things differently on the small screen and Uh when it's meant for mobile. And Pokemon itself with the whole, your party can actually be... You know, you can you can arrange your party uniquely to your friends, and you can trade members for your party. That's a whole. That's something that never was seen in any other RPGs before. Mm. It's just wildly different, and of course, that was super popular, and that's why we're playing X and Y today. Mm-hmm. But um, the the Pokemon games in the beginning, and arguably a little bit now even, still have pretty repetitive themes and repetitive sounds, but they're still very very joyous to listen to. And and kind of to go back on what we were saying about the towns being the resting point, in in the Pokemon games, they're they kind of are still, but the game itself isn't very intense, so it's not like you need that resting point. Right. And there's actually I would feel that there's a, there's a lot more to do in the cities in Pokemon generally, at least the later Pokemon's that had to evolve, of course. Nobody yeah, because I think I think generally the. Pokemon franchise is is more geared towards people who are okay, kind of like doing little mundane, you know, like bordering on a on a like a sim, 
mm-hmm. type, you know, where you just want to go hang out and be like, oh, what's this flower shop? Oh, I well, would love to buy they've some. They've almost coffee. done that to a sinful degree with like the movie studio and fashion oh, yeah. shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although no, they're they're definitely still exploring new and exciting ways to uh, waste your time in virtual worlds. But um, but yeah, but that's that's always been the series, and I think hence why uh, you know the games would lend themselves to just sort of putzing around in the in the towns. Yeah. And now you're, you're quite the resident Pokemon, uh, connoisseur and, and wise sage. Somewhat, but uh, though I am, I was a late comer. But, but you've gone back and played. Yes. Golden. Okay. Um, cause just refresh my memory then if you can, uh, in this particular game, this song's used in multiple cities. Did the later Pokemon games use individual songs for individual cities eventually? Do they still do that? Um, honestly, I can't recall that that specifically. That's my own fault, I guess. But That's a good question. Because that's kind of a letdown for me yeah, uh-huh. in, in right. a lot of games. Just because if, if a soundtrack has... Well, I guess it could be hit or miss. If a soundtrack has great music or a great style... I'm mm-hmm. going to want to hear as much of it as possible and as uniquely as possible. That's why Animal Crossing reusing uh, the Wild World soundtrack for City Folk bummed me out like crazy mm. uh, because it deserved to have fresh music. And um, so that can bum me out. But at the same time, if the music's bad, then... I won't, I mean, I don't know. I guess in, in one way, if the music's bad, you want to be there to be as little music as possible, per se. But who really wants that? I mean... You would right. just have more bad music, but at least it'd be varied. You know, you wouldn't be bored. Yeah. So it's if kinda... I were to make an educated guess, I think that these days every town has its own mm-hmm. theme. That would be my guess, and and my guess as to why it wouldn't have originally is just like size constraints. Sure. Oh yeah. yeah. And you know what? I mean, the tracks that were there were really memorable and classic. And I just at work the other day, I listened to the entire Pokemon Gold and Silver. Uh, soundtrack in its entirety. It's like a two-hour thing, and I didn't even realize I had listened to it all. Like it just time flew by. It was just beautiful experience to this day. So, you know, I hope hopefully people like the song they just heard. But the whole soundtrack is is just fantastic. It's one of the greatest in the series. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's why it was a great pick by Mop It Up. Yep. For uh, definitive town themes. Truth. That said, we uh, we can move on then. Uh? Yeah. And next up is song number three, a submission by the old man from Zelda, and it's not an RPG. So thank you very much, old man from Zelda.
that actually took us back in time as as far as the platform it was on. That was an NES game that uh, I'd never played. Have you ever played this? You never played the Ninja Turtles or, uh, Nintendo <laughs> game? <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's not the Ninja Turtles game. What? Um, sounds very familiar. It's a, it's a Konami title. It's Castlevania II Simon's Quest, and it is the uh, town theme, which apparently is also known as The Silence of Daylight. Ooh. Yes. Epic. And uh, I've never played the Castlevania series. I've been very intrigued by it. But wow. I'm also kind of fearing it because it's uh, it's apparently balls hard. Yep. No, I've played like every Castlevania game except this one. <laughs> based. <laughs> Thanks for being ready for the podcast. Well, based purely on the reputation yeah. of the game. I see. Okay, so you've had an op- opportunity. You just chose not to. Yeah, because you're not a masochist. The reputation preceded the game. Like I've heard of these specific things that are expected of you uh, in that game. We, we talked about them actually on the regular podcast in regards to La Mulana because there was a mm-hmm. lot of sort of similarities in their game design philosophies but um, yeah, I would love I would love to play the game but I'm just too frightened. I think maybe one day like when I'm bedridden and on my last few months of life i'll be like let me let me conquer simon's quest right because you'll have the most limber reflexes <laughs> at that point. bring me the game well no the thing is it's not uh as i understand the difficulty does not at all come from the actual battling or anything like that really no it's just it's just that um in order to advance in the game you have to do things that you would never think to do with no instruction and uh, okay like i guess i guess like there are NPCs that can talk to you, which is new for the franchise, uh, or you know was at the time. Um, but like they'll just say, you know, half of them will just say random crap that doesn't have anything to do with anything. Some of it is so cryptic, you know, it possibly is bad translations or something. But uh, so it's just like thanks for nothing. And I, I actually feel like, and again, I'm not sure because I haven't played it, but. Um, I feel like some of them might give you like bad advice, like advice that would um, that if you did it or figured out to do it, it would actually like you would die or something like that. Right, just to mess with you. Yeah, so it's really, it's really. I mean, the classic example is is this part where you're supposed to go, you're supposed to walk to this like corner of the level and and crouch down for a certain number of seconds with no. No, with nothing prompting you to do this, and then like a tornado comes and picks you up to where you're supposed to go, or but something. Only if you crouch. Yeah. And only in that location. Right. What the hell? Right. And there's so, nothing in the manual that you know of. Not that I know of. Because this had such great worth back in the day. That is true. Like um, the, there's the duck hunt thing. You know that you can play as the ducks in Duck Hunt. What? Yeah. It's it's right there in the manual, but nobody ever bothered to read it. Uh, if you have like a second controller plugged in, you can you can move the ducks to your own. No you know, way. Choice. At least you can affect their flight path at the very least. I forget if you right. have full control, but yeah, ain't that something? Which would make like a whole local multiplayer that no one ever did. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> at least not anyone that I knew. Yeah, really. Oh, that's pretty awesome. Um, if any of our listeners have done that, they should chime in with their uh, experience. Yeah, absolutely. Although I just so. spoiled the game for the next, uh, the next song. Jeez. <laughs> Town and Duck Hunt. 
Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe people didn't know about the town. Yeah, Did man. The manual? It was, yeah, it was in the manual. Um, um, yeah, you could upgrade your gun. And, uh, yeah, so, you know, I'm probably getting the specifics of this game wrong, and I, I, you know, I would love to actually play it and find out for myself. Like, I think I've played, I think I've played this game for about 10 minutes. I think I started the game and I wandered around the town and was like, yep, don't know what I'm doing. Uh, but, um, yeah, I would love to actually go and find out one day. Now, that said, the music was very, was very cool. And that's partially because I have such, uh, as I said, long-standing respect and enjoyment with the Castlevania franchise. And they've always done a good job with sort of like keeping certain musical themes and sort of like reworking them from game to game. Mm-hmm. Which so kind of truly Castlevania sound. Right, 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 right. Like even in this piece, there was like the da 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 da, and and like in other games, then it then that melody will go on and do different things as opposed to in this ones. But there's there's that little that little hook, that little phrase that you know kind of um you know lets you know like hey, this is a Castlevania game. It sets the tone very nicely. Uh, Kenichi Matsubara is the composer of this game's soundtrack anyway. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he did other others in the series or many others, but but it's a badass song. I like it. Mm-hmm. Clue me in on this. I know you've only played it for a little bit or a few moments really, but there's a town, there's there's like the the town setting, I guess, cuz I believe you do visit quote-unquote other towns, but it's always mm-hmm. the same song and it's always kind of the same. it's like a, another breakpoint i suppose and then there's outside of the town where there's actual enemies and and from what i read there's uh more enemies at night so this is a little awkward of time ish in that sense what a, uh, what a horrible night for a curse <laughs> absolutely you know what i mean of all the nights yeah absolutely of course and um but i guess the town theme or the towns themselves are they kind of a resting point because this song strikes me differently than the first two because mm. It doesn't feel that uh, relaxing. It doesn't feel like I'm safe. Right. It feels like I'm watching my back. Right. Like, like I may, you know, it is a little more relaxed in the sense that, um, you know, I'm still, like, moving around, doing something that may not be combat. But, yeah, I feel like I've got to watch out for Dracula's soul or something. Yeah. Someone's looming around the corner. Yeah. And I, I do think that's by design because the towns are, are certainly not comfortable and welcoming like i said the people you talk to are best uh, yeah and whether you know how much it's by design or not like you're not supposed to feel warm fuzzy trusting feelings about them they're kind of creepy nobody still. gives you a hug no there's oh. no hugs um <laughs> that was probably part of the the advertisements castlevania 2 there's no hugs no hugs uh and even to get around it's still platforming in the sense that it is throughout the rest of the game. So it doesn't really feel, uh, you know, like in, um, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's not the platforming does not become, it's not just like one flat surface where you're walking between, uh, houses or anything. So, yeah, Yeah, I think they just want to keep because, you know, Castlevania was supposed to be a, uh, even at the time, like a, like a, spooky, scary genre. They probably just wanted to keep the keep the uh, horror, you know, keep the adrenaline up, even in the towns, make you feel uncomfortable. 
Sure. Uh, go keep in mind or keep in line with their no hugs slogan, and uh, <laughs> you know, this song accomplishes that. Yeah, this uh, this definitely had a, a mature theme to it uh, for the NES days, and I'm I'm just looking here at the uh, the Nintendo Power cover for this game. This was the uh, on the cover of Nintendo Power issue number two. And uh, was this the severed head? Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know if that's really supposed to be Simon Belmont or not, or or whatever. Um, I mean, I guess it'd be Simon in this game. I know that there's been other Belmonts who have fought, but this is Simon's quest for God's sake. So mm-hmm. uh, I don't know if that's supposed to be Simon or not. But yeah, he's holding Dracula's uh, decapitated head. There's a skull. There's some other thing in the corner. I can't tell. It's a small image, but. It's just funny to me because I own the the first copy or the first issue, and it's not in the greatest quality, but I own it. and I'm pretty pleased with that. But mm-hmm. uh, that's a claymation version of Mario Two, mm-hmm. and then it <laughs> then it, the next issue in your mailbox turns out to be this. Yep. And apparently, uh, they got phone complaints from parents claiming that it scared their children. Really? Um, yeah. Well, uh, that's uh, that's probably when the Nintendo Hotline was born. Yeah. If only there was the internet, then they could have just uh, left nasty, uh, you know, comments on on their page. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so that was uh, Simon's Quest, that both fit the town theme and actually kind of fit the spooky theme a little bit. Oh, of course. Yeah, because that's kind of a creepy song. Mm-hmm. Um, even without the context of you know the the visuals of the game, it's uh it's it's moody in that sense. Even just the fact that it reminds me of that turtles game, that's scary. Oh yeah, you know let's make that comment really quick because uh, I originally for my final song in this segment that's coming up in two songs from now, I was going to choose scene four part one. Um, I forget what it's. It might have an actual name. Winter's here, I think it is. I forget, but it's from mm-hmm. the turtles. Uh, Ninja Tur- Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, the arcade game. It was right. the snowy kind of city scape yep. where you're scrolling in uh, the city. The NES exclusive level. Is One of really? the two. Yeah, it was not oh. in the actual arcade game. I did not know that tender little fact. Yep, yep, yep. That's cool. It's that one in the one that's in like a samurai dojo or something like that. I should have chose that. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I think that's, if not the next level, it's like the one after that. It's They're both mid, mid-game levels, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so I almost chose that song, and uh, and I, I went against it in the end. But um, it's it's clear that there's a Konami touch to this. Oh yeah. Whether it's oh the, yeah how they use the sound chip or just how they compose. Because again, I don't know if this guy worked on anything else uh, on Konami. I uh, probably should have done that uh, research ahead of time. But regardless, it's it sounds a lot like Konami. Well, yeah, American. it's the certain you know voice um, selections. For yeah. the different tracks and and the uh, yeah, so much of the style is the same. And even one of the more distinctive things I think is how they have the uh, you know like that snare drum that those snare hits with like every note in certain stretches of the melody, which is just not which is just completely atypical for like any kind of music. But you know I think they were when they were you know, experimenting with how to do video game music at the time, they were like, man, this just sounds so much more badass. You know, we've got this snare drum punctuating <laughs> every note in this melody. Isn't this, isn't this so radical, man? That kind Mark of command. Is that a Mega Man boss? Um, yeah, the next one, I think it's in the mighty number nine. Actually. I see. Nice. Plug. <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, very, very interesting. I, that, 
it would be you know what would be a fun activity would be like playing music from various games that have very similar soundtracks and then having people try to differentiate which was which because hmm. like this one if it weren't for those like four notes that I said were in other Castlevania games I would have a hard time knowing if this, you know what Konami game this was from Let's move on to a, definitely a, a different tone. Very different. And this is uh, picked out by, well, you, Joe. That's me. Was this uh was this from the um the Burt Baccarat N64 game? Uh it was actually the uh, Mary Tyler Moore show. Oh yeah, that was on the Super game. Nintendo, I think, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. But same composer. Yeah, the Sega version kind of sucked cuz you had to press A and B at the same time to throw her hat in the air. You couldn't <laughs> just do one or the other. Right. I didn't I didn't get that decision. So annoying. <laughs> no, this is uh this is from pretty much your game. I mean, I just I attach you to this all the time. Cool. Uh, but tell us, tell us what that is. Uh, Etrian Odyssey 4. And the name of the song is A Town Embraced by the Azure Sky. Alright. <laughs> it's, um, it's a nice long name. Uh, yeah. I'm sure there's a Burt Baccarat song titled that. <laughs> Probably. Um, it does sound a lot like, like it reminds me of 
spurt back around. It also reminds me of certain parts of Austin Powers because of that. Sure. And um, no, yeah, you're you're one hundred percent right. I mean, I I I have told the story on this podcast before about how when I decided to finally get the game, it was because I heard the soundtrack. Yeah. And I when I heard it, uh, I think it was on Radio Trivia, as a matter of fact, an episode of Radio Trivia. And um, I, and I heard this song, and I was like, what game could this possibly be from? <laughs> and I was in the car with my wife. We were driving on some road trip somewhere, and we were like, we were going back and forth. We were like, this is from like a 1970s sitcom, right? <laughs> and Because it's just what it sounded like. And I don't know why that would have been a conscious decision. I feel it has to have been a conscious decision, not to necessarily reference a 70s sitcom, Right. But to write a song in that style. Are there like three characters? One's named Mary, one's Tyler, and one's more? No. No, no there. Um, and in fact, this song and the tone of the song really doesn't have anything to do with the town setting other than feeling like happy and comfortable. Well, and that's the the big observation that I made as someone who hasn't played this game before is that this sounds like a cutscene to me. This sounds like there's a lot more going on than rest. Like okay. it, that, that it is happy, but I feel like there's there's something that I'm missing because I'm not watching the game or, or experiencing the video, um, mm-hmm. which I don't get that with other town themes that we've heard so far. Mm-hmm. I feel like I can listen to those separately, but this one, yeah, it just doesn't stand alone like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, there's, you know, there's only one uh there's there's one NPC and she kind of runs like the the inn sort of where you would sleep and uh and rest and everything and her character art sort of fits this just in the sense of like she just seems like a like a warm nurturing uh, aunt or something like that uh but really everyone else there's like a there's like a gruff uh leader of the troops and there's like a like a cool uh engineer for the airships and then there's like a like a smart acre uh kind of impish uh little girl who runs the armory and it just really doesn't have anything to do with those tones i don't think but it still it still definitely works because it it sets its own tone it just it it adds the meaning to those other encounters of just being like happy and excited and like yeah let's recruit more guys yeah let's add something to my airship yeah let's forge a new <laughs> weapon you know it's like it's helpful and, yeah and yeah, i just i picture my party just like bopping through town just like do 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 yeah gonna use this material and craft a new weapon i don't da, feel da, like da. the people that are experiencing the world with this background music have any stress whatsoever on their lives Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is the like world outside is literally being uh, ruined forever. But yep. Hmm. Now, is this uh, what? What is the? Well, okay. Let me clarify this. According to some random guy on YouTube, uh, you know, not that that's credited or anything, but in the North American release, this song is called "A City Embraced by the Skies," oh. and regardless of that fact, you know, embraced and sky, they're in the same. In, yep. in both. What about that title 
The answer is no. No, nothing, nothing at all. There's no sky. You're not in the sky. You're not. Uh, well, all I can think of is you do get airships. I mean, you do. Um, but at this particular moment, or is this song kind of used throughout the game? Uh, no. Uh, well, this is this is the only town, and hence the only place to get airships, and that's the that's your only mode of transportation. Is that the main? Oh, so then that's the, kind of the main purpose of the sound, or one of the main purposes of the town? Yeah. Uh, sure. I mean, you could you could make that argument, I suppose. So I guess I still don't know if that would be why they would choose that for the title, but I guess if it's embraced by the sky, then that implies, you know, that's where the commerce is coming from. That's where mm. the civilization kind of focuses around the sky. Hence, the airships. Maybe maybe that's kind of the link there. Mm. Or maybe I'm just pulling stuff out of my butt. Maybe. I mean, because when you leave that town, you leave directly on the airship, but uh, you're basically at, like, you know, what I would consider sea level. Mm. So it's not like it's not like you're in this high mountain village where the only sensible transportation between these peaks is an airship or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's, like, you leave the town, you're in the airship, but you literally are expected to like pick up like sheep and pigs from the surface that you are right above. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Regardless, uh, it's it's just so it's so good. And I I said this on the podcast before, but it's just so nice that a game can have the guts to have seventies muted trumpets and and 70s bass lines, like funk bass lines, in a video game that is draped in the one of the most cliche uh, trappings, which is, you know, just the fan, the general fantasy, uh, you know, knights and shields and swords. And, and you know, the, and, and instead of going that tried and true Final Fantasy route with the music, they're, you know, they're trying this. And it's just... It makes it stand out, and it makes it stand out in a good way. Even though it doesn't necessarily connect with what's going on, like I said, I think it adds its own tone, which which still works. Sure. And that's, that's refreshing. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, that's all I have to say about it. Unless you have any other questions, we can move along. No, let's, uh, let's move on then to our final song in the town themes which uh, was picked by myself. And Ooh. I think this song takes us back to the peaceful mindset of what a town should be. But I think it's also one of the epitomes of town themes in recent memory. And uh, hopefully you guys agree. <laughs>
Skyward Sword had such an amazing soundtrack. Yep. Absolutely. The Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword, to be exact. And I kind of think it's funny, too, that um, we both picked songs with Sky related to them. Sure. Um, at least in title form. Uh, this is the Skyloft theme, which is the main hub town of The Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword. And it's, it's just a, an amazing piece. The Zelda series has had a lot of great music over the years. And in fact, we had a bunch of great submissions from Zelda alone. Um, in, in terms of the town, uh, I think the old man from Zelda picked this out. I really should check that before I say that. But um, he picked uh, uh, Kakariko Village from Link mm-hmm. to the Past, which is also in uh, Ocarina of Time as well. And that's, that's such a solid town uh, as well. It's well built. It's a well built town. And even one of the greatest town themes I could think of in general would be the town from Zelda 2. I love that uh, town theme. Mm-hmm. But when I was thinking of what I wanted to choose and bring to the table, I could not resist bringing in Skyloft because it's got so many layers. It's a representation of that peaceful feeling you're supposed to feel when you're kind of in your in your safe place. It is Link's uh, safe place. And it, it's got great memories for me because the game itself is designed to you know, kick off there, and that's where you start getting the emotional bonds between you and Zelda. Um, that's where you start kind of, you, know, you meet your Loftwing, and you kind of bond with that, which becomes your your opponent for the game, more or less. So there's a lot of emotional connections going on there. And even though it never really feels that threatened or anything, that I can recall, um, I mean, that's a good thing. I, th- there is a cool segment later in the game that changes what that town is to Link, uh, temporarily anyway, but, um, but yeah, this is just a great piece that's wonderfully composed and has a bunch of different layers to it, um, particularly the, uh, what is that, like an accordion or something? I don't know um, what that, that instrument is. The thing playing the melody? Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I would think... Yes. It's, yeah, it sounds like an accordion. And who reminds me of those like uh, like the little cylindrical um, European accordion thing. Yeah. And uh, who would have thought that that would be finding its way into a Zelda game? You know what I mean? Yeah. I think, I think the instrumentation of this game as a whole, if not just this song, uh, was really slickly done. Kind of reminded yeah. me of the way that Wind Waker was really unique as well. Mm. With its with its musical choices and um, yeah, because that that's an instrument you would think would normally be reserved for uh, Professor Layton, sure, yeah, or and some it, such game like that. That's one of the reasons I love the Layton series uh, in terms yeah. of its music so much. Yep, um, I'm overjoyed whenever I I catch a song like randomly playing in iTunes or something. <laughs> um, wonderfully done, but yeah, so this takes that aspect of the the accordion or whatever that instrument really is and uh, pulls it out of that kind of French uh, sounding music that like Leighton kind of has mm-hmm. and uses it in a whole context that kind of also reminds me of maybe like a farm. It kind of reminds me of yeah, oh yeah, uh, I can see that. Uh, what's the what's the name of the Harvest Moon? No, 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 no. Um, in Twilight Princess, where Link starts off the the farm that he's in. Oh. I can't remember the name of that place right now, but uh, it actually re- reminds Twilight me. Starting town. It reminds me more of that town than the music that that actually uses. 
It's kind of mm. funny. Mm. Yeah, I um, could see that because because he is dressed particularly farm boy like at the mm-hmm. beginning of that game. But uh, but yeah, I mean, just this is a song too that's very beautiful on its own, but it has a lot of strength in connection with what you experience within the game. I, I do admit that. I mean, this makes me think of the pumpkin patches and trying to oh, carry yeah. pumpkins for people, and um, and and it also reminds me of cute little cats that become ferocious killing mm-hmm. machines <laughs> at night. <laughs> I love is, those. Yeah, that's such a weird decision, you know. And then, of course, they fly if you throw them off. Yeah, which is adorable. Because it's, it's like, I'm going to be a terrible person and throw you off this uh, this cliff. Nope. They if, can fly. Do they fly even before that? Do they fly at you or just run at you? I think they just run. I don't yeah, think you... I kind of wish they, they had flown regardless, because that way at least it would have made some sense. Because mm-hmm. um, when you throw them off, off Skyloft, it definitely feels like, oh, hey, let's just not be psychos now. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's like uh, Miyamoto's, or uh, or Anuma, or whoever the heck, uh, who was at the helm of this of Skyward Sword? I don't know. Wouldn't it have to be Onuma? Uh, probably. He's he's the head guy on these things just now, isn't he? I I mean I I know that Miyamoto is still uh still sure heavily involved, but I think that Onuma is the director. Yeah, no, he, uh, well... But I don't know, I mean, so if Miyamoto's, like, the producer, I, I don't know what that means as far as the division of labor or you know, creative input. According but. to what I'm reading right here, uh, Onuma, Aonuma, uh, is producer. Director was actually Hideo Maro, uh Fujibayashi, and um, Miyamoto's name isn't listed in the short list here. I mean, he might have been more of a, uh, he, he might have been more of a a guiding force, um, more know, of beyond. a dude with the plastic sword and shield. Yeah, that was I mean, more. He probably stuff. had an influence, but he wasn't necessarily like. I mean, because he doesn't really work on a lot of games solely anymore, or have a huge impact. He kind of finesses a lot of things. Mm. And um, hell, he's probably working on Pikmin three at the time too. Mm. Uh, of course, Koji Kondo was the sound composer once again. Mm-hmm. And um, with a with a whole team this time. There's four of the names listed underneath him, and uh, man, if, if Koji and the Condors. <laughs> that was his band before he did Nintendo music. Yep. <laughs> uh, that's great. Yeah, he's he's uh, obviously one of the great composers and everything. And I mean, there's not much to say about him that most people probably don't already know. Mm-hmm. But it's great to know that. 20 plus years after the first Zelda, he's still creating wonderful tones that are unique to the game in which he's working on. He can create unique sounds. Um, the music, too, sounds a lot more... Uh, not, uh, I don't even know what the term I'm going for here, but um, it's it's more of a work of art. Remember how I was talking about how I wish that people outside of the gaming industry could appreciate mm-hmm. the music more. This is one of those soundtracks that you really could assume maybe it's a movie score, a cartoon score, you know. You Right. Right. I could see this being up for like best score yeah. or something in a um for from for film. But um yeah, man, it's just so good. Yeah. It's so good. I mean, I just I love how yeah, we've been talking about how towns are sort of peaceful and a time for you to sort of mentally recover and all that. And I just, it's just so 
when you're walking around this town listening to this music, it's just so soothing and comforting and welcoming. And you just, it just makes you want to just hang out and explore. Mm. It's just, it's like, uh, a lot to do. A lot to yeah. explore. Like, oh, well, who's this friendly face over here? What are they, what are they doing? Oh, what, what mischief are they getting involved in, you know? Oh, Groose. When will you learn? <laughs> yeah, now we did Stuff use like that. the Groose theme mm-hmm. uh, in a previous episode of the show, and that was the only, only other time we've used Skyward Sword so far. Mm-hmm. Um, twice in four episodes might be much, but we don't really, you know, worry about that sort of overlapping uh, because of the themes that we that we do. Yeah, man. Um, but you know, good, there's also good, good music reason, is good music. Yeah, there's good reason that that Cruz's theme and this one came in. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I mean, maybe uh, people can try to throw us off by, um, you know, throwing out some suggestions for for themes in general, which I have offered before. Uh, I'd be interested to hear if anyone else has themes that they think would be a good fit for the show. Um, maybe try to think of a theme that Zelda won't fit into, if you really mm. feel spiteful about it. But, um, but regardless, I'm sure we'll see Zelda music, you know, for episodes to come. It's mm-hmm. just, it's kind of, it's an intended music podcast. What do you expect? So, yeah. So that was wonderful. Uh, I hope you all liked it. And love, um, love Skyward Sword. I hope you're all well relaxed. And mm-hmm. comfortable and not at all unnerved because we're about to go into the second part of the show. It's about to get real. We got we got five songs here, and they're all spooky, and uh, some more than others, and um, at various stages in the uh, the video game sca- uh, scope. So I hope you enjoy. Uh, let's jump into that first one then, huh? Let's do. Who um who was this first one was also picked by Triforce Bun. He uh, he had a lot of great suggestions and he had one uh, for each of us today. And uh, here it is.
So that was uh, the beautifully the, smelling, <laughs> the infamous Lavender Town theme from Pokemans, uh, the first one. Red and blue, yeah. Red and blue. That was a long way around that road there. <laughs> yep, I couldn't. There are so many friggin' Pokemon color titles and such. I just I blanked for a second. Um, <laughs> okay. Plus, uh, well, anyway, okay. So let's talk first about just just the music itself. Um, obviously, creepy as all get out. And really comes out of nowhere, too, because you arrived to this town, I think, a little before or after the third gym, mm-hmm. uh, after the power plant, I think, or after, when, I don't know, the electric gym later, I forget, it's around there. And yeah, out of nowhere, you're just in this quiet, like, mountain town, mm-hmm. and it's moody as hell. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, you're, like, smiling at your squirtle, all like, oh, how cute is that? <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then this happens, you know? Yeah, it's, um... Yeah, it's it's really the opposite of what we were saying about those uh, those calming effects in right. those yeah, other yeah, it is a town. towns. It, yeah, it is a town, and uh, but there, but it's designed, I think, to be unsettlingly minimalist. Yeah, it makes you want to leave. Right. It's like that. Uh, things are too quiet, kind of. Un- yeah, like for me to imagine what this would sound like if it was real. I, I I don't even know. It would just be howling wind and maybe like that. The song itself like subtly playing from like some random speaker box somewhere. <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. It's uh I guess one of the, the key features of this town is the uh essentially a, a tower of a tower graveyard, a tower cemetery mm-hmm. where people are mourning deceased Pokemon which in a game where they faint, quote unquote, air quotes right there. Um, it kind of allude, you know, has an allusion to to death. That oh yeah, it's just I mean, it's very Japanese in a way to to bring that to light in such a otherwise happy game. And mm. I don't mean that as a slight either. It's kind of fascinating how they they play with that darkness a little bit. Oh, are you talking about in the series in general or just in this? Um... Well, I mean, I just I feel like because um, there's of Japanese... a lot of like like you know when you read the the Pokemon backstories of the different types it's like yeah. whoa that's dark yeah oh yeah well there's the Drifloon. i just killed one yesterday or, or fainted one yesterday in pokemon x and y just after reading something online about how it supposedly takes children off to the depths of hell or something and um uh by their hands and kidnaps them. I and it's it's like really that's that's in this that's in pokemon mm-hmm. but apparently in um at least in the japanese translation you know that's what one of the games says about Drifloon. so it's it's amazing how dark the, the games can get. Mm-hmm. And this was the Pokemon, uh, Pokemon's first foray into that world. Have you heard of the Lavender Town Syndrome? I'm looking at it right now. I was going to bring it up. That's very Crazy. Good. So yeah. you also have Google, is what you're saying. <laughs> Actually, I was using Ask Jeeves. I said, Jeeves, <laughs> tell me something about Lavender Town. And he said, well, there's a syndrome. I was Web, using, actually, I found it on WebMD. That would have been the better joke. I was using Lycos. Lycos. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Um, so, well, would you like to describe the Lavender Town Syndrome? Sure. Um, I mean, it's it's a creepy pasta. 
which is mm. essentially a fake ghost story online, that kind of thing. Um, it's not real. It's not, nothing actually happened, but um, you kidding? Creepypastas are kind of a site though. called Creepypasta is not <laughs> totally uh, legitimate. No, I feel like okay. it'd be just like a it'd be the uh, people of Walmart for bowls of spaghetti that looks like brains. Mm. Creepypasta. Mm -hmm. um, thank you. Uh, yeah, so Lavender Town Syndrome was pretty much, apparently, after this game was released, uh, there was a peak in suicides uh, and illness for children between 7 and 12, and uh, in Japan, anyway. Mm -hmm. And um, because the high-pitched noises of this song supposedly caused them to feel ill or kind of go crazy and, and obviously end their lives, yep. um, only children and young teens could hear it, and maybe some dogs, I don't know. But uh, supposedly about 200 children had committed suicide and uh, got sick. And, um, of course, I mean, it doesn't go into too much detail, but it's just unnerving. It doesn't have to. It's happened. science. Yeah. Oh, I see. It just makes sense. This is what happens when you hear this song. But uh, and then apparently they, you know, they fixed it in later versions. But uh, apparently this last paragraph here uh, details that... There is a video in 2010 that used software to analyze the audio, which, when visually represented, showed unknowns spelling uh, the, the words <laughs> leave now, or at least uh, the Japanese words for leave now. <laughs> and um, so it's just kind of funny. But when you're reading it, it's, it's, it's kind of unnerving to think about that because you have your own connection with the game and with the music and then to, to read some creepy stuff yeah. about that. I mean... I just think it says something that that a uh, a myth like this could even uh, emerge from, you know, a Game Boy soundtrack. Mm -hmm. hey, I mean, I would assume that the composer certainly didn't think that would happen. No, no, no. But that's that's not to something this. to be said about how spooky this this song is. Exactly. Yep. And then you can take into account uh, other fan uh, theories about the Q-Bone and how it actually could be uh, what, a Kangaskhan's like the baby that lost its right. mother. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Which is kind of morbid and, and, and sad. Yeah. And, then, and there's a Q-Bone I believe in that tower. But then also you fight um, your rival there and uh, and I believe that he's supposedly there putting his Raticate to rest that you essentially killed previously in uh, in the earlier in the game hmm. um, that might have been based on some of the anime I, I'm sorry I don't have it all in front of me but uh, yeah it's just this there's a lot of creepy creepiness around this whole yep. town in this in this particular song and that's why it's a, a great pick uh, by T-Bun right there absolutely and I kind of like that already we've had two songs that fit both themes <laughs> it's, it's kind of fun mm -hmm. um, but yeah so let's uh, let's move on to our next song then. Yep, let's do which, um, which yeah, it's creepy and uh, spooky in a whole different way.
amazing. Very much so. But beautiful. That's that's one of those songs that creeps me out because I, I love it so much. It's like mm. pleasantly horrific. Oh, yeah. And that song was from our uh, site owner, Zero. Mm. Um, it's the Resident Evil remake. It's the safe haven, so the, the save point. Or, uh, remake! <laughs> um, you know, I have not played the remake. No, that was a remake of the original Resident Evil, correct? Mm-hmm. And it came out on the GameCube? Correct. Okay, yeah. It's I think in 2002. play on the GameCube. And, uh, uh, and it's, I get you from what I've heard and, and seen in screenshots and stuff, it's like head and shoulders above the original, so... So it gets rid of the dandruff. Oh boy. <laughs> gets rid of the zombie dandruff. But you uh, don't have dandruff. No, I don't. Exactly. What? That was the Head and Shoulders commercial. Oh, I can't remember a single commercial of that. <laughs> was this music playing in the background? I would no. remember that. Um, but so- you know who doesn't have dandruff? Zombies. No. Yeah, it's all falling off with the rest of the skull. Yep. Uh, I've I've never played this. Well, no, that's not right. I've played the original Resident Evil, never played the remake, but I do give a lot of credit to this to this game for what it started. Mm-hmm. It really just spun off the horror genre uh, into a whole direction. Yep. And uh, and even though I've never been that big a fan of it, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of gore. I'm not a big fan of being spooked. Uh, you know, I just I just like my life a little more peaceful. Mm-hmm. I, I understand the 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 rise and the excitement that is there with fear, but um, but yeah, still I, I prefer to keep my games lighter. And well, uh, here's here's the deal, my young Finkelstein. because uh, I also do not really like I don't like horror movies. I don't like roller coasters. I do not enjoy the sense of fear. Um, but I love me some Resident Evil and it's because like, I don't think, you know, there's not too many points where there's, you know, where like something just jumps out at you out of nowhere that definitely happens, but it's not that frequent. Um, and as far as gore, even though the franchise, you know, became famous for that little splash screen at the beginning of each game about. This game contains explicit images of violence and gore, or whatever it was. Maybe I've played too many damn violent video games, but I just I don't think it's that gory. Sure, really. there is there is blood, but it's it's different from you know like say like God of War or something where you get this like really visceral sort of you know and like you can see like the inner workings of the you know arteries as they. You know, it's it's really it's nothing like that. I mean, Shoot, I mean, I get excited to watch The Walking Dead every week, and that's a really gory show. So I mean, I can handle yeah. that too. Yeah. And and this game always did give me that that air of uh, of horror, almost Hitchcockian to a degree. Because mm-hmm. why there was zombies, that there was a lot. A lot of the fear came from what was next, and then they would withhold yeah. that from you. And sometimes there wouldn't be anything, and it'd be like, oh, okay. Right. Like you just never knew what was. I mean, Time Splitters Future Perfect had a zombie level where you were mm-hmm. in a mansion, and I didn't have any problems blowing those zombies away and and doing this and doing that. Uh, even when there was a lot of them, I didn't really care. The crazy moose that comes alive <laughs> and tries to kill you didn't care about him either. Was, you know, I'm fine with that. But 
what really sucked was walking into a room and it looks empty and you don't know if there's one hiding under the bed or mm-hmm. hiding in the closet. And then occasionally when they'd pop out, that, that would get you and, and kind of almost be uh, desired because it would relieve you of the pressure that actually stinks, which is the uh, the withholding of that emotion, to, to bottle that in. Uh-huh. And uh, so, like I said, I, even without having a lot of experience with this game or series, I give it a lot of credit. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I really I would love to play the remake one day because even just hearing this music, the quality of this track that we just listened to, uh, as I said, it's indicative of what was the the new height that the bar was raised to, I think, with this version of the game. Um, so, yeah, and I just, man, I, I have such a soft spart, spart, spot in my heart for, um, I do have a soft spot as well, uh, for for Resident Evil and, the, and it, so much so that I will continue to play the games after 4 in the hopes that you know, they will eventually go back to the uh, path that they so boldly blazed in the first place. I think it might be a smart idea to do that. Oh, I know. I, I have no idea why. Use the technology to heighten that aspect of it as opposed to right. the combat so much, which I know that the, the combat was heightened in 4, where they kind of made it a little more free-roaming and... Mm-hmm. Uh, more gunplay heavy from what I understood um, not that that necessarily was a detriment I mean a lot of people love Resident Evil 4 it, oh yeah well 4 was a bigger leap from 3 in that sense but it was nothing like what was to come with 5 and then 6 hmm. so, so I mean 4 gone astray yeah 4 was like you could make an argument that, that was like a sensible you know freshening up of the game mechanics right? because it was still primarily about the atmosphere and really it was quite amazing what they were able to pull off atmospherically when you aren't just within like a claustrophobic building or some compound you know you were you were actually outside for a good deal of Resident Evil 4 but it was still scary as hell right um, and yeah it's not like I was getting at before it's, it's not that sort of uh, intense anxiety. It's just more that sort of like creepy, like, okay, what's what's going on here? Uh, what was that sound? What's going to be around this corner? Why why is that bookshelf knocked over? You know? And that's going to be a weird, so good. but kind of interesting feeling because with uh, Resident Evil 1, what I was just saying is, you know, is there a zombie in that closet or under that bed or whatever but you have a defined set of possible places it could come from if you're outside if you enter that realm you start having a much wider array of locations that the zombie could be hiding out at mm-hmm. um, you don't know how many are out there because of course the game takes place at night you know um, no least... well sometimes in, in four you mean well I just mean in general I think it's um, o- it's always overcast so yeah. it's always dark. Right, not, that's what I meant. Yeah, I've yeah, seen, um, right. I, I have seen footage where it's been like uh, you know late day, right, but right. just you know getting dark or that kind of thing. Which unlike five, Mario, which is like super bright zombie sunlight. sunshine or something. Yeah, um, but uh, I kind of lost my train of thought on that. But um, so I can see where that would be kind of neat to to go from one, two, and three over to four. But uh, mm-hmm. I would be kind of interested in playing any Resident Evil 
if they went back to this Resident Evil 1 style of, uh, of thrill. And then also, I think one of the pros and cons back in the day was the camera, and the inhibition you have mm. from the movement is chilling, because it puts fear in you that you can't get away easily, but at the same time it's frustrating and, and mental. I never yeah. cared for it. That's pretty much the main reason I didn't play the, the game. Right. Well, you know, on the on the plus side, Resident Evil Re- Revelations was, I think, a real, real good return to what made the franchise famous. And, uh, you know, as far as I can tell, that was a very successful game. You know, successful enough to move it off the 3DS and get it in the hands of more people. So... You know, it would be it would be really great if Capcom, you know, decided like, hey, we can still be viable with this. We don't have to play the same way as Call of Duty in order to capture the minds of gamers yeah. today. And and I know that I I missed a lot of the other games, so this experience could have happened to me probably already. But to see that baby in HD and mm. to kind of have that kind of horror experience on a uh, the Wii U would be pretty uh, pretty interesting. I know there's Zombie yeah. U. Zombie U concerns me in a different way. Um, in similar ways, but different ways. And uh, I'm not running out to play that because, again, I don't really like to be uh, put into anxiety on purpose <laughs> too much. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think I just need to need to give it time. I always find excuses, but I do want to play Zombie U, and, um, and I would be interested in playing a, a future Resident Evil. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Yeah, I'm even. I even wonder if there's there've been rumors for a long time of if Capcom was gonna just reboot the series at any point with Resident Evil. Um, I would wonder. I would actually, if they rebooted, I would be afraid that it would be just like that. It would just be like all Call of Duty. That they would just be like, forget the survival horror completely. We're just gonna be all action all the time. Well, I would hope they, if that's what they want to do, I'd hope they do it, and then I hope it wouldn't sell, because then they <laughs> learn, and then go back to it. Yeah. To the roots. But So I would I would be more than happy if they continued, you know, heck, you know, do a Resident Evil 7, just, you know, start steering the ship back towards, or at least, or at least, you know, like, give people more the option, you know, figure out a way so that they could play it how they want to play it. If mm. there are people who really enjoy the faster-paced run-and-gun you know, but then there, you know, people who still want that sort of atmospheric experience. I bet they could. Pull you could kind of do that with Zombie U, uh, to a degree. I mean, mm-hmm. if if you finesse that game further, you might be able to find an experience like that. Mm-hmm. So I think it's possible. They just have to have the, uh, the hearts and the brains to do it. Yep. All right. So, so what's yeah. next? Let's After move on that to uh, to another great spooky theme that's spooky in a different way <laughs> mm-hmm. and um, and involves a different type of threat. So. Okay. Thank you. 
spooky that was super mario world's ghost house theme submitted by game dead grant and it's definitely different than the re remake that we just heard is it that different it's not that different i don't think honestly like it's a different chipset of course the fidelity of the music's way different um you're putting a spooky moment into a light-hearted game mm-hmm. uh, versus having a lighthearted moment in a spooky game, which is kind mm-hmm. of what the safe haven's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that I forgot to mention about safe haven that actually relates to Ghost House is there's that kind of amazing note thing that's happening where it's like a, almost like a it's an instrument, but it's also like a voice. Mm-hmm. And it's this, mm-hmm. like a held note, and then uh, what were you saying? Like um, Then the pitch oh. changes. Yeah, it just slowly decreases the pitch. And then fades out, and then kind right. of repeats... Not really on a beat or anything, just kind of... Uh, although, more so in Mario World, it is kind of on a regular interval. But right. it uh, it just kind of comes in there and just yep. calls at you. Almost... I mean, even though Resident Evil is about zombies, um, it reminds me of like a specter. Yeah. Or a ghost. It's, it's very uh, Jacob Marley in A Christmas Carol, kind of. Yeah. Oh, that's a good reference, yeah. Ebenezer! <laughs> and then just change the pitch on that, you know? Yep. Yep. Um, yep. And so, the, you know, there's a lot of ghost houses in Super Mario World. Uh, one of the most famous is probably the Donut Ghost House, which allows you to, uh, if you find the secret exit anyway, you can go to the secret area mm. and get mm-hmm. all the cool stuff. Um, but uh, the ghost houses were pretty varied as far as what enemies were in them, um, what kind of threats. There was moving, a, a lot of sinister trickery going on, which I always kind of loved. You know, platforms would shift. Uh, things were invisible, a lot of different ghosts that, even though they're they're Mario ghosts, it's not like they're too, you know, upsetting to look at. Uh, mm-hmm. They're still adorably creepy, mm-hmm. and um, and even and especially the doofy ones that are just kind of like all over the place with their eyes and everything. Those guys, they just kind of launch themselves at you in most cases. There's the shipwrecked uh, ghost house where you're flying through essentially a net of them, and that just takes some some simple. Uh, uh, you know, swimming maneuvers um, to to handle, but yeah, I don't mm-hmm. know. No, I'm with you. I'm just kind of reminiscing them all over them all. But then again, in like the Choco Ghost House, there's also um, the Fish and Boo, I think is it's called, which is essentially a lack too. But you're not a man, you're a fish and boo. <laughs> Very nice. Mm-hmm. But um, 
yeah, so you got you got the subdued color palette in an otherwise colorful game. You have the spooky music. You have a lot of ways to die, and uh, it all makes for a pretty spooky experience. Mm. And um, and you know, I'm sorry, we didn't say who that was from, did we? Or no, I don't think we did. That was the old man from Zelda's pick, and uh, he had a. We don't need picks. to give him credit. Yeah, we do. We gotta <laughs> give it to Lou. All right. But um. Super Mario World is one of the dearest games to my heart, and I'm really glad that he submitted this because I think, as as lighthearted in a way as it can sound, it's uh, it's right up there as one of the top spooky themes. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly one of the more iconic. Mm-hmm. Certainly one of the more famous. You know, I always <laughs> when I hear this music, I always associate it with flying off the. Um, side of Banshee Boardwalk. Uh, yeah, that's right. A Mario, Mario Kart. 64. Yep. That's um, that's a great spooky level. For the bats is. and stuff like that would have been a good choice too. They are very similar, um, in both design and song. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that's a good one. Now I wish I'd chosen that for mine. Yeah, there's kind of that repeating, uh, the repeating notes. There's the, that yep. howling. Then you repeating still have, notes in the minor key, always creepy. And then you still have, kind of uh, the Mario World riff, going through it. Oh yeah, the um, yeah. Dun, 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 dun. I think you hear that, don't you? Yeah. yeah. Well, at the very least, it's like the same instrument as what would be used for the more. Mario centric themes. I don't know how to what other word to use, but right. Yeah, it's like the Mario or one of one of the Mario instruments in that game. Yeah, so kind of like you were saying about the Castlevania tones. It's kind of cool yeah. to see those little accents uh, pulled from other songs in the game or in the yeah. genre. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so that that was Mario's uh, Mario's contribution to this episode. I uh, I got nothing else to say about it unless you have more to add. No, let's go. Let's get into um, what I think are probably the two creepiest songs um, in this podcast. Easily <laughs> are are the ones that you and I picked. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Not not to diminish anyone else who uh, submitted songs because they were all great. No, but, we um, can diminish. <laughs> but um, we we have some creepy ones to uh, to fill fill the rest of the show here. Uh, let's jump in then to Ninsage's pick.
Okay, so that was my pick from a little game called Zero Escape, Virtue's Last Reward for the 3DS. And the title of that track is Sinisterness. <laughs> I'm not even sure that's a word. Yeah, that's definitely not an adjective you... Uh, or would that be? Yeah, that'd be an adjective. Um, no, it would be a noun, wouldn't it? Huh? Would oh, be oh noun, the ness noun. makes it, yeah. Yeah. You're right, I'm sorry. Anyway. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's not one you want to hear. No, no. And isn't isn't that track just so friggin' badass? It's just like, okay. So so the way that music typically works in the what is now the Zero Escape franchise, uh, which includes Nine Nine Nine, which was released for the DS, uh, is that they don't really have much in the way of specific like. Um, you know, themes that you would only hear when you're talking to a certain person or when you're in a certain room. It's, it, does, it just doesn't really work like that. What they do is they have this whole stable of um, of pieces of score. And just depending on even the tone of a certain part of a conversation, it will switch to different pieces of music. So... It could be uh, one song while someone is describing what they were doing in the other room. And then when that character reveals like, oh, you, you know, or when another character says like, oh, you weren't supposed to be in the other room. You were supposed to be over here. What were you doing? Why did you lie to us? Then it might like switch over to, you know, the uh, the revelation music or, or whatever it is, mm-hmm. uh, just to just to fit with what would now be the mentality of the scene. So, um, so this music will never really serve just one purpose. Uh, it will be used in different ways throughout the game, but as I think you can tell, uh, as is par for the course in the zero escape series, it's just super creepy, super atmospheric, really unsettling. Um, now, now you, you have not played this series, correct? Okay. So what, I guess just hearing that music, um, and feel free to include the obvious. But what does it, what does it do emotionally for you? What is your reaction when you hear this? It's, uh, well, I mean, like a lot of these songs that we're hearing today are designed. It does make me kind of very uh, cautious. Mm-hmm. Makes me want to be aware of my surroundings. Yeah. Um, the the little piano notes, those very mm. kind of light, kind of. Mm-hmm. Uh, high notes are always mm-hmm. creepy. Mm-hmm. Those remind me of a lot of horror films that have mm-hmm. happened over the years. And then you've mm-hmm. got that kind of that that howl again. Yep. yep. In, in a different way, but it's still that howl's there. Yeah. And then uh, you even have like an underwater heartbeat, like a yes, yes. And that, that's the most unsettling part of the whole thing, I think. I'm glad that you also used a descriptor of underwater because that's what I got from it as well. Or like, um, or like when you hear. Um, you know, the ca- the camera in a film goes into like the bloodstream, and you hear everything going. Mm-hmm. It's definitely muffled in a really unsettling way, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If it was just a plain old heartbeat, it would be almost too obvious. But when right. they don't make it obvious, and they muffle it, and it sounds underwater, oh yeah. Right. It's it's something. It's some kind of sound that has now been so tweaked that the original sound is unrecognizable. Now it's just this weird just muffled like frustrating kind of low resonating tone and it just uh, just 
fits yeah. so well. And then they so pair good. it with the high notes, which exactly. on the other yes. side of the spectrum, and it yep. just kind of being hit at you know all sides. Yep, yep, yep. It makes it feel complete, though. Yes. There's nothing missing from this song. I think it's it's wonderfully done. Right, right. And this, you know, and, and again, that goes back to its ability to serve many different purposes in different scenes. But it's 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 always, I think, used during a time in the game where uh, you're, you're supposed to be uncertain. So it's not just... Um, it's it's not just generally when you would be walking around exploring like that kind of uncertainty. It's more like someone would say something, and uh, it would raise suspicion about a character. Like mm-hmm. again, maybe it's you are talking to someone else, and you're talking about someone who's not even there, and you would say, you know, just uh, it's sort of like the example I gave before, just like, oh, well, I thought they left the knife in the library, but it's not here anymore. You know, just something like that. And then all of a sudden, this kind of music would kick in. And it's just like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I can't trust them. Oh, my God. Where are they? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I don't know. Just so freaking good. I just, I don't know. I love that series. I love, I think the music just serves serves the series so well. Another adjective that I was uh, just thinking about when playing the song over my head is, I have such a feeling of hopelessness mm. when I listen to this. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe it was you doing your reenactment of the characters, <laughs> um, but I, I totally matched that hopelessness with my own empathy or sympathy or whichever one it would be. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's this thing about the way that it, I guess those howls kind of help do it for me. Yeah, um, like they get lost in the in the space in which the sound is echoing in the the medium yeah. in which the room, you know, whatever space that sound is filling, it just kind of trails off and gets lost. Yes. Yes, I, I think that's like, uh, I think that's exactly it because we've talked about a lot of other themes on this podcast that are very empowering that really have that sense of of movement and of moving forward right. and driving you forward but these I think a common theme has been that that real that real meandering aimless lost kind of just like like, like this one, it's almost you're almost like, um, like you've been hit with like a tranquilizer or something. Right. And like you're, you just, can, you're just in a fog. You can take a step forward, but you're going to be taken two back. <laughs> right. You know. Right. Because you just don't, you just don't know. You don't know what's what's a good idea and what isn't. And uh, yeah. And that's what the game would want you uh, for a game about choices. It mm. would want you to second guess yourself. Right. You know, be right. very. Uh, doubtful about if your choice is correct or if you should trust what you're hearing, mm-hmm. and the music doesn't make you trust anything. Right. Yeah. So. Oh, it's so good. And I, I will say, without spoiling anything, that what's so great about these games is that you can figure things out from the clues throughout the game, but you never would. I don't think. You know, I mean, you still are surprised at the end of the game, but it's the best kind of surprise because it's the kind that you could have figured out if you were just a little smarter. Sure. It's not the out of left field, like, oh my god. It just won't craft it, more or less. Yeah, yeah. So, so good. Now, I guess one last thing I want to say about this. How does the sure. re- music and the rest of the, the game compare? Um. Well, in... in 
in terms of quality or in terms of tone? Or? Uh, both. I mean, would you say both. this is the best track or no? Um, better tracks no. that may not have fit the theme, but uh, you think the soundtrack gets better or I, is on par? Well, I picked this one because it's a it's a franchise about spooky atmosphere, and I thought this was the spookiest. Mm-hmm. Um, but what the rest of the game's soundtracks do, and this is this all this all applies to the first game. It was very similar in terms of the style. But uh, even though they are creepy and unsettling, they also have like this heavy influence of um, rock and almost dance music. <laughs> if this makes any sense. So, so there's a lot. When I say rock, there's a lot of there's a lot of really heavy guitars at times, really distorted electric guitars. There's a lot of really um, just like raw percussion drum sets, um, you know, not designed to sound pretty, not designed to sound classy, designed to sound like Ramones punk kind of kind of kind of sounds. Um, and then at the same time, there will frequently be this like electronica kind of techno beat um actually maybe techno is not the proper term because they they never do the like there's never that but there's there will be like really fast paced like high tempo like um things like that and that's all done with electronica tones so a lot of varying styles but they always sort of intersect at this purpose of creepiness. It's different than what we were saying about Etrian Odyssey, where they'll go out on a limb with a certain song and tone, and then that tone sets the scene. These songs are still always augmenting what's going on in the game. And they're supporting it with this this sense of creepiness and unease. And when the tempo kicks up, I think it's really only to serve the purpose of your heartbeat kicking up. Mm-hmm. Kind of thing. I'll tell you, man, you're like the king of games that I should play based on their music. <laughs> you, you've introduced me to so many. And, and the, you know, the sad thing from my end is I don't know. You know, there's no guarantee. There's, these aren't games that like, Oh, everyone should play. Right. Oh, everyone should play. Atronaut. Everyone should play zero escape because a lot of people would hate these games, you know, in spite of the awesome music. Um, sure. Again, like with Etrian, I think I, I might dislike it just because mm. I don't have the patience for to, to give it the proper due. It's not yep. that I would I would actually dislike what it's about or anything or, or find it unfun, but I think it's just not a game that fits in with my gaming lifestyle right mm-hmm. now. Yeah. Um, which it's going to be hard for me to go back to Final Fantasy VI because I know that what that requires to a degree, mm-hmm. especially after having to go back to play Chrono Trigger some years ago. And, um, and I just don't know if, if I, if I can fit it in. Same thing with Earthbound, another game I got to do that I want to do, but I, I'm trying to wait for the right moment because if I go in at the wrong moment, I'm just going to be itching to finish it for the sake of finishing it. And that's not going to be mm-hmm. the right way to experience it. Mm-hmm. So, yep. I got you. All right, so that was awesome. What's yeah. next? All right, uh, this is the last song, um, my pick. 
And no, I have not listened to this one yet. No, no, you didn't get a you chance advised to. Me, you advised me at the last moment to save it yeah. and experience it fresh during the podcast. Yeah, I, I'm going to say this. I've never played this game before. I recently discovered this game through its music. Um, it's unsettling. It's unnerving. It's, uh, it makes your mind go to dark places. <laughs> and um, according to recent activity on the boards, though, it apparently is a pretty popular game from from yesteryear. So really, uh, I, I don't think that you've well. I mean, you know, you know what game it is. You just don't know what song mm-hmm. it is. Mm-hmm. Um, you and I don't really have experience with the game, so there won't be a lot of discussion in that regard. But it's definitely probably the spookiest song I've ever heard in a video game, mm-hmm. and uh, so I had to go with it. Um, I was ironic that I, I just heard the song less than a month ago, so it's just kind of good timing on that, and I just wanted to share it. Um, I do apologize if it's, if it's that unsettling, or maybe I'm hyping it up. Maybe it's nothing. Maybe it's you know. Yeah, I don't know what rainbows. I don't know what I'm in for now. This is I'm getting um, creeped out before well, the song. And you know the you know the name of the song too. It's just yes, I do. So uh, so you have that that preemptiveness. Uh, but okay, so everyone, uh, happy Halloween. Here's my <laughs> pick uh, for spooky theme.
So, <laughs> that was that. Uh, that was Shadow Man's Asylum's Playroom. Um, how do you feel about that, Joe? Joe's not in right now. <laughs> if you'd like to leave a message... No. You checked uh, Yep. Yeah, by the way, uh, everyone listening, you now have seven days to pass this <laughs> podcast to somebody else. Um, or you are damned to a lifetime of more podcasts. I don't know. Fate worse than death. <laughs> but yeah, so um, I'm going to say the one thing that this makes me feel, and then I want you to tell me what you feel. Okay. Um, when I Again, this is a new, relatively new song for me. Um, the game itself is relatively new to my knowledge base. Uh, but I feel actual nausea yeah. when I hear this song. Yes. Mm-hmm. And this is, even though I've been planning to use this song for a little while now, this is the first time I've heard it all the way through. Mm-hmm. Because I didn't really care to listen to it <laughs> all the way through otherwise. Mm-hmm. And of course, idiot YouTubers, uh, or maybe they're not idiots, I don't know. Um, but just from my perception, these some of these people are like, oh yeah, I sleep to this music. and Oh, good. Uh, that's trolling, I hope. Yep. Yep. I would hope so. Otherwise, I think that would be grounds for, like, psychological... Evaluation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, so, what do you think? Uh, I think you went way past creepy. <laughs> or spooky, I'm sorry. I think this goes well past spooky into... I don't know. Uh, yeah, deranged is a pretty good word. Can you believe this was an N64 game? I cannot. This is scarier than Superman 64, but I'm... I guess it came out relatively simultaneously uh, on... Or maybe a few months after the PC release, but it came out on Windows first, and then it came out on this N64. And then uh, I think a few months later it came out on PlayStation, and then a few months later Dreamcast, and then just recently, like a week or two ago... uh, the game came out on Steam, so um, I don't know if, there, if the Mac version did or not, but uh, I think the PC version did because there was a thread that was made on Negative World by uh, Carlos Rocks, who was so excited about it. And you know, looking at this thread, a lot of people seem to know about this game. So I, I'm guessing that for our current podcast fan base, anyway, that a handful of people are not going to be surprised by it because it's probably not the first time they've heard this. Mm. Yeah, I was saying to you before the podcast that I had uh, my only knowledge with this game was the cover, and only Mm. because it must have been in countless video game magazines as an advertisement at the at the time. But um, yeah, so I didn't know anything about the game. I I hadn't heard about the song. Um, Forgive me if you've already explained, but how did you? Because you said you hadn't heard. Did you just hear about it from Negative World that this song? No, this was. this was a, a radio trivia thing. I was uh, I've been okay. busting through a bunch of those uh, over the past couple months, going backwards, um, and I've actually listened to pretty much every every episode now. But I'm kind of working my way backwards again. And this song, I guess I had never heard that episode before, and this song just came on. Mm. And I, I think it was a song. Anyway. It was this game, and um, and I was like so thrown off. I'm sitting there at work, and I'm like, what the hell is this? Mm. And it was, it was one of those things, it, it kind of reminded me of my childhood where I hated going to the video store and walking past the horror section because it scared me, but I was always man enough to look at the back of the box 
Nice. But that's all I would do. And so I was f- fearful from this music, but yet curious. Mm-hmm. And so when I looked into it more, I realized it was Shadow Man, and I realized um, what the game was about. And um, and since we had just announced you know, that this is what the next episode theme was going to be, and I was like, oh, this has to be it. Because mm-hmm. I've never heard anything more uh, unnerving in a video mm-hmm. game than this. Yep. And it, looking at some gameplay footage, it essentially reminds me of like Perfect Dark graphics mm. mixed with the gameplay that would eventually become Star Fox Adventures. <laughs> um, sure. Taken to the depths of hell and a bloodbath. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. Rinse, repeat, and mm-hmm. then out comes Shadow Man. Mm. Uh, with maybe a little bit of Nightman come with bodysuit action, because a lot of these characters don't really have features, which makes them all the more horrifying. True. And uh, and actually, one of the things that the footage reminded me of was the creepypasta for Majora's Mask that uh, that Ben's copy or whatever. Have you heard of okay. that stuff? Uh, no. It's some sort of horror story about um, you know, a, a kid named Ben who. Or maybe Ben was the guy who had the game, but a copy of Majora's Mask that was haunted or whatever. And, okay. and people use a lot of crazy glitches to make some really creepy videos to go along with the story and uh, mm-hmm. of Link convulsing and doing all sorts of weird stuff. And uh, some right. of the enemies in this game just do that naturally. Right. Um, but, you know, watching footage of it, it's you play as a guy, I presume the Shadow Man, um, who's just kind of doing a lot of 3D platforming, uh, climbing ledges and dodging spike floors and everything's very dark and dreary and uh and violent frankly yeah should we should we talk about some of the specifics of of what was heard yeah. in this track i mean okay so obviously it starts off with the nice kind of well the song is called asylum playroom or something like yeah, that yeah i should I should have specified that yeah it's asylum's playroom yeah so you hear the uh the little what is it? Some kind of like chimes or something from a child's music box or whatever yeah. that would be. And I think that's half of it right there is that you think of children at first. Oh, right? yeah. And then it goes to that dark, dark place. Yep, 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 yep. Um, actually, have you has, have you seen the, uh, the music video for the song uh, Kids by... It's MGMT, which I assume stands for management. I don't know. I'm too old, but <laughs> no, I haven't. Have Have you heard the song? I've heard of the song. Um, okay. I probably have heard the song, but honestly, it's one of those things I. I've well, anyway, once. that music video creeps me out the way that this music creeps me out, and it's kind of the same juxtaposition now that I think about it, because it's, you know, it's like oh, happy playroom, oh, little kids, and then you in this song you hear friggin drill next yeah Looks and like then dentist's office yeah and then it starts with the like then you start hearing like flesh being squished squished <laughs> and uh in unholy ways <laughs> yeah and like people some woman laughing maniacally but it's almost like you can't tell if she's laughing or Crying, like well, she's kind of sad at first, but then it forms into a laughter that's yeah. just deranged. Like, oh, I just murdered my baby. <laughs> yeah. I'm a psycho. And I think that's what makes this a unique song, and honestly, as disturbing as it is, kind of a viable one to talk about is because, um, unlike other songs in in this whole podcast, 
this song has a very standard background, you know, melody and uses sound effects mm. as music, as notes mm. uh, to accent everything. Even though there's no beat per se that the mm-hmm. laughter follows, mm-hmm. um, it still comes at a rhythmic pace and, and, and is there to exemplify the, the tone of everything. And, mm. and that's just something you don't see in, in everything. Uh, really? That we've everything else we've had to, uh, today. Yep. I mean, if you were to hear that without and the sound effects, no. it'd be very different. Oh yes. Oh and, yes. And vice versa, if you had just the sound effects, it'd be probably a little. Well, honestly, without the sound effects, it still would be pretty nerving because you don't really consider. I mean, this is Hollywood conditioning us, but I wouldn't consider that melody to be all that settling, regardless. Right. Even right. though it right. sounds happy-ish, it also. Right. We're so used to that that juxtaposition that it mm-hmm. kind of yeah yeah I can see that um but man I mean that you know this is kind of thing uh, is certainly not something I would really listen to all that voluntarily or anything but um but you do have to give them credit for a job well done on what they were undoubtedly setting out to accomplish yeah I mean the song is definitely meant to be or the game itself is meant to be a horror game Mm-hmm. The enemies, uh, some of them, like I said, are almost in bodysuits because they have no features, but yet mm-hmm. they're they're a step beyond the uh, the uh, those guys you fight in the Smash Brothers games, you know, mm-hmm. the polygon guys. Um, look again, I'm, I'm watching video as we talk, and uh, you know, this guy just jumped into a bloody river that he's swimming through now, or at least mm-hmm. it's red like blood, and. Um, I have no idea what the plot is in this exactly. Um, I don't really need to know, I guess. But, <laughs> but what's amazing to me is is just the timing of this uh, thread that came up on Negative World and and the fact that various people, even if they've only played it a little bit, seem to have good memories of this game. Mm. So, again, I mean, I, I played it partially to disturb you guys and to see if uh, <laughs> if you guys would have the same effect that I had on it. And it fit the theme and everything, and of course this won't show up again, probably ever. But um, but it's not something that's just there for you to hate. I don't want people listening right now to to think that that's what I was trying to get out of it. To just right, 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 right. Um, it's fascinating that this is a beloved game, and it kind of shows that there's a market for this. And um, I don't know. I'm just fascinated by the fact that this is such a beloved game. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Yeah, hopefully people can post and you know explain exactly why and explain how this track fits into their evaluation of the game and their experience with the game. Yeah, I would absolutely love if people did that because yeah, from looking at it, it's essentially a uh, third-person action platformer, mm-hmm. and it looks like it might be kind of fun, except yeah. for the very spooky uh, music and enemies. And the random faces on the wall and stuff like that. Yep. I mean... Yep. Yeah, I don't know. I guess there's nothing else really to say about it. Uh, it's mm. up to you guys, the listeners, to uh, to chime in. But, mm-hmm. And then, uh, I guess, you know, we can spend the rest of our evening trying to detox from it. Yeah, I need to go watch uh, Muppet Babies or something <laughs> like that. Muppet oh, no, wait, that would be a terrible idea because they're in the friggin' playroom. Um, yeah, but... They're gonna be so happy. You you'll forget all about. It. As long as there's no episode of like Muppet Babies Go to the Dentist, PG, then um, it'll be okay. I think. Gonzo. 
<laughs> waka waka. <laughs> Is that copyright infringement? Oh, who cares? <laughs> now, that would be more unnerving if you heard that kind of asylum-sounding chimes, and then instead of the, the blood and, and the lady, you hear waka waka. Waka waka. Waka waka. Oh, and even, even like the the squeaky toy over and mm, over yeah. in that song. It reminded me of the hammer from Animal Crossing a little bit. The squeaky hammer. But then it gets aggressive out of nowhere. But, right yeah. It changes. Right. The aggressiveness makes me think of two things. Uh, it makes me think of either first it's like this little kid who at first glance is uh, a happy, well-adjusted kid playing, and then gradually gets a little too, um, like, uh, what's the word? Excited isn't quite the right word. A little too enthused. What's that? Worked up. Yeah, worked up with this squeak toy, and then you're like, oh my god, this kid's insane. Uh, the other thing is, it reminds me, it makes me think of, like, like a mom, like maybe folding clothes in in the kids room and the kids behind her playing and squeaking the toy and then all of a sudden it's like you know the squeaking increases and gets more and more dramatic and then she turns around and it's like some friggin serial killer is there with the squeak toy <laughs> right yep those those are the kind of pleasant images that <laughs> that comforts that this this wonderful piece of music conjures up in my mind. So yeah, thanks just, for that. I mean, I, I think that from a marketing perspective, there is, you know, some sort of group of people out there who uh, who enjoy this sort of thing just for yeah. what it is. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Obviously, I, yeah. There's people who are not us who just love horror and the creepier the better. But yeah, and I don't, and I don't mean this in a negative way, but I'm just no, no, really no. fascinated by why this would appeal to somebody. <laughs> yeah, and again, not well, in not in a derogatory way whatsoever. No, um, well, I think that there are arguments to be made that um, when it comes to media and the kind of media media that appeals to people, you know, some people are attracted to that which they can relate to, and if someone was relating to this, that would be a little unsettling. But then some people are attracted to what their life has none of. Mm-hmm. You know, they they're curious about it or fascinated by it just as you were fascinated with the people who enjoy it. And so, you know, sometimes like it's, you know, it's, it's the, uh, it's the same as the, um, quiet valedictorian who loves, um, you know, slipknot or something like that. (laughs) It's like, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a complimentary part of their tastes as opposed Mm -hmm. to, you know, them just being crazy. They just... Right. Yeah. So, yeah. <sighs> I guess I'll end it by saying that this game seemed to have a pretty wide, uh, you know, wide audience, considering it came mm-hmm. out on, on the PC, which at the time was booming, so there was a lot of PC users out there. Uh, N64, PlayStation especially, Dreamcast, um... You know, this game feels like a niche game to me because I really didn't come across anyone who played it, yeah. or anyone who was into it. Uh, but with the thread that we just had and and what I've gathered from doing my research, um, you know, there's more to this game than just gruesome visuals and, and audio 
right. you know, uh, sounds. I mean, it seems to be actually some more substance built in there, which is kind of, again, yep. fascinating to me. So. Yeah, yeah, absolutely nothing mutually great. exclusive about those two things. And frankly, games like this are very far and few between. I mean, Eternal Darkness kind of did it in a more cinematic way. Mm. Um, not so much like a horror film, but just more of a thrilly, thriller film. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Did I just say thrilly? <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so, and people, cl- you know, clamor for, for more of that all the time. Even I kind of do. I liked Eternal Darkness quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And that had some very unsettling moments in it. So, so yeah, it's just, it's just wild. So, I mean, now that, you know, it's not playing, I think I can look at it from a different light. Mm-hmm. A, a more appreciative, a more uh, curious light than just being nauseated. Yeah, by it. yep. Um, maybe it goes a step too far, but that's only my own personal preference. And, and frankly, I wouldn't. If I go back in time, I wouldn't tell them to change a thing. Yeah. Because I mean, it, yeah. it's their artistic expression. Yep. And as long as yep. they didn't get those sounds authentically, <laughs> <that's not laughs> yeah. then I think uh, we're okay. Put someone in a room with snakes and yeah, if there's, hit record. Um, if there's not a Foley artist out there with a dark secret, uh, then I'm, I'm going to sleep well tonight. Yeah, really. So so where do we go from here? Um, I think we yeah. end the podcast. Okay. Is what we do. All right. How do we, how do we end from um, something like that? Well, I know what you're alluding to, and uh, uh, let me just, before we get to that, let me just sum up and say uh, thanks again, everyone, for listening. Um you know, we, we're having a lot of fun doing these, so we're very happy for uh, the listeners and for the people who submit songs. Uh, the more, the merrier, even though the amount we play does not get any bigger. <laughs> so, mm. I, you know, I encourage you guys to make it hard for us to pick, because, again, it was not easy to choose the songs that we chose. Mm-hmm. You know, you might be able to say, oh, well, hey, they chose two Pokemon songs or uh, or, or whatever have you, and um, that's just, you know, coincidence. We, we, tr- we think really hard about what songs should be picked. Um, of course, there is a some slight bias as far as our experiences, but we try to be varied. We try to uh, pick ones that are great for the themes. And I think we do a good job picking songs from games we've never played. <laughs> we, we do, actually, which in a way is bad for a podcast to talk about this sort of thing, but on, on the same light, um, we can... He- think about these songs from a different perspective, one that isn't tainted by mm-hmm. the visual cues and uh, so I yeah, plus that way that. we're not we're not limiting what people can choose and the whole you know a big part of the idea is exposing people to new music so even ourselves even ourselves we gotta expose ourselves on the podcast sometime something like that wait what <laughs> anyway so uh, so thanks again I'm I, I'm personally eternally grateful uh, for everyone out there who participates uh, whether actively as a uh, submitter or a listener or um or a retweeter, I don't know, whatever. Uh, it's great. So thank you all. And um, I hope you enjoy this episode as, uh, as you hopefully have the rest. And um, we don't have the next themes decided yet um, for episode five, so I won't tease those this time around. But uh, but Joe and I are thinking about it, I assure you. Thinking about it. Yeah. I have some ideas, but we have to, we have to negotiate and discuss. Mm-hmm. So um, with that said, uh, you know, we're going to play you out the um, with the usual credits theme, but stick around, and we might just have to play, I think, a, a town embraced by the Azure Sky one more time to uh, to lighten mm-hmm. the mood. So if you need yep. if you need a, uh, a detox, then yep. just keep listening, and uh, we'll give you another two and a half minutes to <laughs> remove the toxins. Exactly. Yeah.
you guys all have a great uh, day, night, month, and uh, and happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Goodbye. Bye-bye. So as I announced just seconds ago, we are going to have a palate cleanse for you guys uh, with a redo, a replay of A Town Embraced by the Azure Sky from Metroid Odyssey 4. And I just wanted to also make a special shout out to Octorokin, who actually initially submitted that song to uh, to the podcast. But uh, Joe, he loves it so damn much that uh, he just, he couldn't think of anything else. He just had to use it for uh, for his slot. So... Uh, Octorokin, thank you very much, and uh, your uh, your submission was not in vain. <laughs> so here you go. Thanks, Octorokin, for uh, allowing you all to detox from this episode. See you next time. Thank you.